0: back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our Wednesday show for the second week of the first round. Uh, today's date specifically being April 26th. Um, I'll be honest, that's our scheduled date. We're technically doing this very early hours of April 27th, uh, very beginning of the morning. So for me, kind of still Wednesday night, um, but uh, yeah, our April 26th show, for all intents and purposes. I'm your host, Carson. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show. Both um, prior listeners and new listeners alike, we we welcome you to the show. We appreciate the support, and uh, we're going to have a good uh, short show for you today. A um, little off the cuff as far as um, not a ton of time. Uh, the past couple of days to get a ton of prep work in for this show uh, simply because um, I don't know if I've actually mentioned it on the podcast before but I did start a new job um, last week and so last few days I've been getting a little bit more into the swing of things with that it's um, been a little bit more uh, at the front of my mind you know um, as much as I love doing the podcast and love the NBA and you know would eat sleep and breathe basketball if it um paid the bills at the moment that's not quite the uh the situation and so i have a job that will you know allow me to do this on the side um and you know it it's a luxury um it, it you know fortunate to be able to do that but at times you know kind of have to put the job first in terms of getting acclimated to that so anyways that's my little you know kind of everyone knows type of a situation you know self-explanatory type stuff but regardless um you know i'll just jump right in with game summaries but i just want to give a quick heads up i apologize if i'm off base on anything i do as far as trying to summarize games simply because i didn't get to see a ton of action Uh, i saw a few minutes of one game uh or a few minutes of a couple games and that's about it so but i'll do my best to fill in where i can Um, we'll start with Monday um, and today you know in the past I've usually excuse me I've usually um, done this kind of odd waiting game where I'm filming it late at night but our schedule says that we're going to summarize the last two days not counting today's action and I kind of tiptoe around the fact that I already know what happened uh, with that night's games and you know I was realizing, especially with playoffs, with the regular season, it's one thing where that's just day-to-day games aren't necessarily linked as much. Every once in a while, you have a streak. And if you're talking about a game, oh, well, the losing streak extends to nine. And then you already know that that night it was extended to 10. Um, It can seem a little bit uh, ridiculous as far as not talking about it that night when you already know about it. With the playoffs, it's magnified 100%. You know, uh, or a hundred times rather magnified, you know, a thousand percent. It's, um, you know, I'm, I'm talking about, oh, let's see what happens in the next game. But I already know what happens in the next game or what happened because it's in the past. So um, I'm going to try and get away from that. Um, again, as far as planning the podcast, that kind of helped me to have that structure of this day. We talk about two days worth of action the next day, two games or two days and so on, uh, or next show rather. And so I'm going to work to get better about doing that because it really doesn't make sense. So tonight we'll talk about Monday, Tuesday and Wednesdays. We're talking about tonight's games as well, especially because we had some series ending games. um, And so anyways, I've rambled a little bit too much here at the beginning. Let's dive into it. Let's talk first. The Heat Bucks series, and we're talking Monday and Wednesday's games, which were both Miami victories. The Heat have upset the Bucks four games to one, gentlemen's sweep. Um, they're moving on to the second round. First of all, I think all of us owe huge apologies to the Miami Heat. Um, I was looking through it, I was updating our playoff predictions as far as the points that each of us is getting. None of us picked the heat to make it past the first round. Um, we did think they'd win their play-in series game. Their first one, they'd get that seventh seed and then lose in you know the first round of the Boston Celtics. Um, you know, they lost that first game. They got pushed back to the eighth seed. So they were in the spot that the Hawks were, where going against the Bucks, it was that same level of thought, maybe even a little less of that team, whoever plays the Bucks, having little to no chance of being able to win that series as a whole. Um, we will add the caveat, um, much to the chagrin of Heat fans, but even they have to admit this is a huge factor. Giannis being limited, going out in the early first half of Game 1, missing Game 2 uh, and Game 3. I believe missing game three, returning for game four and game five, being limited with the injury. Those things are a factor for the Heat's sake. Let's rebuttal. You know, they lost Tyler hero and Victor Oladipo in this series. Those two combined still not quite as valuable as a Giannis will be fair about that, but hero, you're one of your starting guards and a 20 point per game scorer, and Oladipo, a key bench piece with some scoring and some versatility, defensive impact. So, those they had their own losses and they had to rebound from that. And we got to give the Heat credit, and especially Jimmy Butler, over these last two games, these final two games to f- finish the series, um, game four, 56 points, which is in the top 10 all time career playoff. Um, excuse me, career playoff points in a game. All time, top 10 uh points for a single game in the playoffs, tied with um no, sorry, that was the Devin Booker stat. Apologies, but still, super high scoring game, unbelievable. 50, again, 56 points, nine rebounds, two assists. Um, little support from you know, out of bio, 15 points, uh 12 off the bench from Caleb Martin. Um, the Heat really needed Jimmy Butler to, uh, to carry them offensively in that game. They got it done well enough on the defensive end, uh, the rebounding, and, uh, the bucks just didn't have an answer. Again, Giannis returned in game four, 26 points, 13 assists, 10 rebounds, two blocks of steal, playing phenomenally and returned from injury, you know. And that's an extra point in the Heat's favor. You know, the Heat were up, um, 2-1 2-1 with Giannis returning to the series. If the Bucks win that game four, you've got a 2-2 series. You've got a best of three situation. Your best players back in the lineup. You have every opportunity to win that series. Uh, you think so again, um, that's where, where, you know, as much as we should factor the Giannis injury situation, we should also factor that he returned and played in the final two games of the series. So that was not a full story as far as why the Bucs lost. Um, the Heat did play a great game against um, a great team, you know, and so props to Miami uh, again in that game. Brooke Lopez had a great game too: 36 points, 11 rebounds. Those two were dynamite 14 points each for Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. Um, the Bucks did not have a bad game in that game for and their inside players, Giannis and then Lopez as well. You know, they were huge contributors, but Jimmy Butler, Hemi Butler, if you want to call him that, um, stepped up a huge game, willing the heat to a, a game four victory at home to f- force a series three one, you know, put themselves in phenomenal position to try and close the series. And then tonight, game five in Milwaukee, the Heat take it. They close out the series. It's an overtime affair, close game down to the wire. And uh the heat pulled off. And again, we gotta give them credit. Uh, we didn't give them give them enough credit going into this playoffs. They've proved us wrong, and props to them for doing that. In this game, close back and forth, you know, heat force overtime with a late bucks lead at the fourth. They tie it in overtime. The heat control the game and they come out on top. Um, and again, you look at the bucks, Giannis, huge game 38 points, 20 rebounds. The turnovers were there, seven turnovers. That was kind of the theme for the season. That's almost a microcosm for what he was able to do this season. Um, just that little nagging thing that, you know, limited the Bucks from tri- being truly dominant, I think, even though they won the most games in the regular season. Um, they could have been even better had he not had those, you know, turnover struggles. Middleton with 33 points, six rebounds, six assists. He was back. He was playing great that whole series, you know, so that's even, you know. They were they were full strength there. Lopez 18 points, 10 rebounds. Drew Holiday 16 points. Um it just the heat were on fire. No pun intended. Jimmy Butler, a great game following up a 56-point game. 42 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, a block. The all-round game, just slightly less uh efficient offensively or his game could have been easily up into the high forties. Bam at a bio, 20 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, a triple double to provide more support for Jimmy Butler, 22 for Gabe Vincent, 15 points, 12 boards for Kevin Love and 10 points off the bench for Kyle Lowry. And again, this heat team as inconsistent, inconsistent as they were in the regular season, we know when they've had the pieces put together, they're a dominant team, and it almost seems like it's every other year for the Heat. I mean, this season, in the regular season, wildly inconsistent. We do not know what would happen with the playoffs. Prior year, great team all year, go to the conference finals, losing seven games. The year before that, didn't do, I mean, they were a first-round elimination. They were an eight-seed loss to the Bucs in the first round in, in 2021 um 2020 the bubble season they go to the finals against the lakers you know so it's just like this every other year odd situation where if they're subpar one season or they fail to meet much of the expectations you could have for them then they're the next year going to have an unbelievable year and be in contention you know just kind of a weird last couple season trend but uh you know they're kind of bucking the trend a little bit with a subpar regular season by their standards and now winning a first round series in a a eight seed upset the first time since I believe that Sixers bulls series in 2013. Um, so again, credit to them, props to them. They're in the second round of the playoffs and actually they already know who they're playing because we did have another series close out that played both, uh, Monday and Wednesday. Uh, excuse me. They only, they played Sunday and Wednesday, um, and that was the uh, the Knicks and the Cavs. So we're talking tonight's games uh, with this matchup in particular, the Knicks with a, a 3-1 lead going back to Cleveland, and they close it out on the road despite some injury troubles. Those will be factors, of course, in their next series, but they close out the series anyways, four games to one. They're moving on to the second round to face Miami. So we have New York and Miami in the playoffs Second round. If you would have told me that at the beginning of the season, I would have been surprised by a number of things. Miami being an eight seed, New York that high in the playoffs, them facing each other in the in the second round with those circumstances. Crazy stuff. Really adds to the intrigue of the playoffs. And again, credit to New York for being able to pull this off. Uh, in this game five, big lead throughout much of it. Uh, really controlling the game. You look at the box score for the Cavs, 28 points for Donovan Mitchell. Uh, again, a little bit rough on the shooting percentages. Darius Garland, 21. Um, Mitchell, by the way, seven rebounds, five assists, two steals on a block. Then you had 17 points from Karis Levert starting in place of Isaac Okoro. Okoro off the bench with 10 points. Um, but the Knicks, 23 from Jalen Brunson, who's kind of become the clear scoring leader in this playoff run compared to a Julius Randall in some senses, 21 from RJ Barrett. We mentioned Randall 13 from him and Mitchell Robinson. He also had 13, um, 18 rebounds for Mitchell Robinson, three blocks, two steals, making an impact defensively, 19 points off the bench for Emmanuel quickly, 12 points off the bench for Obi Toppin, all great performances. The only thing, as the Knicks pop the champagne figuratively, you know, they're not going to pop champagne for a first-round victory, but they celebrate they're pumped, they're moving on to the next round, they're facing the heat. As much as they are going to be satisfied with that, uh they do have an injury. Julius Randle got injured during this game. Um let's see if I can find the news on that. Um it looks like reaggravating an injury. Um from what I saw, I believe an ankle-related thing. Yeah, re- or, or excuse me, not re-aggravates. Aggravates an angle, ankle injury um, in game five, left ankle. Um, so that'll be something to monitor, you know, whether or not that's missing a game, missing the series. We don't know any details on that specifically, but that's, you know, somewhat sobering but the Knicks still happy. This is their first playoff victory series playoff victory since 2013. So it's been 10 years. Um, And before that 2013 victory, I think it had been about another, another 10 years. And so the playoff series victories have been hard to come by for the Knicks and over the last 20 years or so. So always great to see them get to the second round and against that heat team. That's going to be super interesting. Again, it depends on that Randall injury. If he plays, that's going to be a tight series. If he doesn't play, Miami could be going to the conference finals. You know, uh, we certainly can't count them out. We've counted them out too much already. And so that's just going to be a wild series. Um, We... We'll probably do a little more in-depth play um, series preview on that on Friday. So stay tuned for that. Um, But for the time being, that's your matchup. There's some early thoughts should be intriguing, but again, props to the Knicks winning that series. Uh, So that was those two series wrapped up. Let's go back to Monday um, and we'll touch on some points for the um, Monday and Wednesday. Again, Monday and Wednesday uh, games four and five in this series. The Lakers Grizzlies series, some huge intrigue here as well. Um game four in Los Angeles, Lakers with a 2 1 lead. Uh this game goes to overtime off a clutch basket from LeBron, clutch play from him, and Lakers have a big offensive game in the 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 overtime period to end up with the victory. They take a three one lead, one seventeen to one eleven. Tough, hard-fought game, back-and-forth game, uh, 13 lead changes. Uh, Lakers looked like they could have ran away with it in second, but the Grizzlies fought back, um, and they had every chance to win that game as well. So, you know, both teams had great games. Uh, For the Grizzlies, it was actually Desmond Bain, not John Morant, with the big game in this one, 36 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. Morant with 19 points, 7 assists, and 3 steals uh Tillman with 12 points eight rebounds six assists Jaron Jackson Jr 14 points 14 rebounds and five blocks um 11 points five rebounds for Dylan Brooks uh in that one and then you look at the Lakers uh and uh Austin Reeves 23 points he led them in scoring not far behind LeBron James 22 points but 20 rebounds for LeBron and two blocks with seven assists but interesting for LeBron that is the first 20 and 20 game I believe of his career uh, certainly of his playoff career if I remember the stat correctly and it might just be career in general both regular season and playoffs the first time he's ever had 20 and 20 like that which makes sense but it's also you know you feel like with how dynamic he is as obviously he's going to get those points Um, but the rebounding ability with his strength and size and the assists his court vision you would kind of think he could get up to 20 of one of those you know so uh, pretty cool to see that kind of a stat him he's still making history for himself Uh, 17 points for d'angelo russell 12 points 11 rebounds, four blocks, two steals for Anthony Davis. He didn't have a huge offensive game, kind of had a lackluster offensive game, but he still made that impact defensively and on the glass, especially late 15 points, six rebounds for Jared Vanderbilt and 12 points off the bench for Dennis Schroeder. I will say this is the game that I caught uh, the last few minutes of regulation and uh, pretty much all the overtime period. So, I did see the kind of clutch play late. The Lakers were able to will themselves into a victory here. Props to them. Tonight's game, uh the Grizzlies bounce back. They were at home. They won that game 116 to 99. Uh now the Lakers lead 3 to 2, so they still have that advantage. They're going back to Los Angeles for game 6. Again, we'll give you some game previews in just a moment. Um but props to the Grizzlies keeping themselves in the series. Big game. Um they you know, built the lead up to the, up to the halftime Lakers fought back early in the third quarter. And then the Grizzlies went on a huge run to end the third, begin the fourth quarter led by as much as 25 points. And that really sealed the victory for them. So again, great bounce back game. Uh, the Lakers were led by Anthony Davis who had a bounce back game himself, 31 points, 19 rebounds, uh, two blocks and a steal, 15 points, 10 rebounds for LeBron James uh, with five assists, 17 points, eight rebounds, six assists for Austin Reeves, 11 points, 10 assists for D'Angelo Russell. Meanwhile, off the bench, or excuse me. Meanwhile, for Memphis, uh, Desmond Bain, John Morant, each with 30-plus 30 points, 33, tennis, uh, 33 points, 10 rebounds for Desmond Bain, 31 points, 10 rebounds for John Morant. Morant with seven assists, Bain with five assists. Um, great games complementing each other. Uh, 18 points, 10 rebounds, two blocks for Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, And that, you know, those three pretty much led the charge for Memphis in this big win for them. So, again, game six will come up. Lakers will hope to close it out at that point. um, We'll have to see what happens. Um, Let's real quick go through these couple of games. Um, These were kind of, you know, outcomes that were to be expected based on the teams and the points that those series were at. Firstly, the Denver Nuggets won Game 5 at home, 112-109. to 109, Very close. Give the Timberwolves credit for not backing down, especially over the last few games of the series. Um, for the Timberwolves, Car- uh, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, 29 for Edwards, 26 for Carl Anthony Towns. 16 points, 15 rebounds for Rudy Gobert. Uh, 14 for Alexander Walker, 13 for Torian prince Um, Uh, Yeah, so, you know, Timberwolves Not a bad game, but the Nuggets Jokic, 28 points, 17 Rebounds, 12 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks Doing everything he can, uh, despite Tough shooting on the night 35 points for Jamal Murray 14, for Aaron Gordon, 14 for Bruce Brown, Brown coming off the bench Uh, 10 points for Contavious Caldwell Pope, 10 rebounds for Michael Porter Jr., so the Nuggets just Just a better team, you know, they had The lead uh, in the Series already, they were up 3-1, so you know, they close out that series props to them, you know, strong series for them. Now they move on to the second round and they will face the Phoenix Suns. They closed out their series. Uh, both these games, these calls out games were from Tuesday's action. Um, this one just coming after that uh, Nuggets win. The Suns win at home 136 to 130. Kind of a wild game in some aspects, but um The Clippers with the injuries they had and how well the Suns were rolling after a surprising game one loss um, that, you know, it was kind of expected that this series was going to be closed out in about five games, maybe six games. Um, The credit to to the Clippers fought close throughout, you know, first half and beginning of the second half. And then the Clippers went on or the excuse me, the Suns went on a tear in the third quarter. Clippers fought back again, brought it within a few points in the final few minutes, but the uh, Suns were going to hold on. They, they were ready to just get to that second round. And again, the Clippers wild stat lines, 27 points for Norman Powell. He led, led them in scoring 20 points, 10 rebounds off the bench for Mason Plumley, 19 points off the bench for Nicholas Batum, 14 points, eight rebounds, eight assists for Russell Westbrook, 16 points, 10 rebounds for Avita Uh, you know, 14 points, uh, excuse me, 12 points for Marcus Morris senior, 10 points for Terrence Mann. That's a lot of offense, that's a lot of c- contribution. Um and then you look at the Suns and they were just better overall. 47 points, 10 assists, 8 rebounds for Devin Booker. 31 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal and a block for Kevin Durant. 21 points, 11 rebounds for Deandre Ayton. 15 points, 7 assists, 2 steals for Chris Paul. And then off the bench, uh 11 points for uh, Joshua Kogi with three assists, two steals, two rebounds. And, you know, they get a halfway decent bench performance. Biombo eight points, eight rebounds, three blocks. They get a couple of bench guys to contribute, and their starters play like we know they can. I I just don't know where you beat the Suns team right now, I say that. You know, if this is a team that advances deep and faces a team of its caliber. Um, you know, we're talking uh, Denver. I mean, that's going to be the test in that second round. Denver, uh, the the higher seed on the year. Suns with a little more talent or high-profile talent. This is going to be a great test for both teams um, as far as their playoff aspirations. So that second-round series, Nuggets-Suns, again, we'll preview that on Friday. But that's going to be a great series um on both sides, offensively, defensively, Suns, Nuggets, you know, for both teams. It's gonna be wild to see. But again, I say it right now, just what they have going, you know, they kind of feel that there's something interesting about this team, um, as far as that kind of special feel of, you know, a team you would look for that in maybe your title contenders. And again, um that was my prediction when we did our playoff predictions. They are a four seed. There's great teams in the West that they're going to have to beat. Um, and great teams in the East that they can face in the finals. So certainly nothing for sure, but they are a team to be reckoned with at this point in the playoffs. I think that much is uh, fair to say, but again, Suns win that game. So Phoenix and Denver win their games. They move on to face each other in the second round. Um, Let's real quick talk about Tuesday's uh, wild outcome. This is one I caught the last couple minutes, really the last minute of game time. The Atlanta Hawks winning in Boston against the Celtics, 119 to 117. Boston still leads the series three games to two, but now the Hawks are kind of within striking distance. Game six is in Atlanta. They win that game. They go into Boston with win or go home. And we've seen enough from Atlanta to say if they play well enough, they got a chance, you know, and I guess you say that of every team, but really this Atlanta team, Trey young is a guy that has had these kind of clutch performances. He hit the clutch shot. It was, um, you know, they were down one. He pulls up for a deep three pointer, um, drains it with, you know, maybe, one second left on the clock, you know, they were down one, you know, you're thinking, get a layup, get to the free throw line, you know, those, those lines, he just decides to pull up several, you know, a few feet back of the three point line, deep range, knocks it down, um, adds to his, you know, little, you know, starting to build a little bit of a collection of those playoff moments. Um, And I kind of like to think, there was that recent um, – it was going around, you know, social media. It was kind of – it got to, like, you know, the the sports, um, sports pages, sports networks. It got to ESPN, I think, at one point. An anonymous poll of NBA players where Trey Young was reportedly said to be NBA players, fellow NBA players, thought he was the most overrated player. Um, and so I kind of like to think that this moment was a um, – You know what? Take that kind of moment. uh I'm overrated. Let's let's see how overrated I am when I'm hitting a a game-winning shot to give us a chance to win the series against a team that thought would people thought would sweep us. Right. So I like to see it. You know, Young is a guy that I he's not one of my favorites. I don't mind him, but when he succeeds, it's kind of cool to see. You know, a guy, diminutive guy. Um, you know, not he's not scared to take on anybody, and I kind of like to see that. And the Celtics had this game under wraps. I mean, they were up um 13 points midway through the fourth quarter, and then the Hawks make a comeback. And so props to them. You look at the scores for Boston, uh, Jalen Brown, 35 points, seven rebounds, five assists, leading them. Tatum has been off in this playoffs. You know, and I I wish I could say that that really surprised me, but there's just something about Tatum and we talked about it in the regular season. I'm not sure what it is where he has a stretch of two or three games where he's he's on fire and we're just talking regular season. He's on fire. He's lighting it up offensively efficient all these things and then he'll have a stretch of one or two games you know it's not like an isolated game and then he bounces right back he'll he goes in these waves and he's really a lot more often in this zone of poor offensive games he still gets the rebounds the assists he's playing that team style but he just can't he's inconsistent with scoring and it's wild as wildly you know impressive his regular seasons are and some of his playoff runs and you know recent memory past memory this this regular season he was the first player in Celtics history Celtics history to average 30 points per game in the regular season so he was averaging that he was a he, unbelievable scorer this season and you think about that history of that team all those great players. And he's the first average 30 points a game. You know, it shows how great he can be and has been, but then he just has these games where I'm not sure what the problem is, you know? And I don't know. That's my small little soapbox, you know, just kind of being flabbergasted by Jason Tatum, you know, for lack of better summarizing, I suppose. (laughs) As far as the other guys, you know, Derek White, 18 points. He had what I thought were clutch free throws, and then it was all kind of undone by Trey Young. 14 points off the bench for the sixth man of the year, Malcolm Brogdon. 10 each for Marcus Smart and Robert Williams, the third. Williams also with seven rebounds. Um, and then for the Hawks, Trey Young, 38 points, 13 assists, two steals, four rebounds. Not the greatest shooting night as far as the percentages. Not terrible, but not out of this world. But again, not afraid to take that final shot. And again, I like to see that out of him. 22 points for John Collins. Uh, A little better scoring game. Like to see that as well. Uh, 18 points, six rebounds, five assists, two blocks, and a steal for Bogdan Bogdanovich, getting the start in place of the suspended DeJounte Murray. And 13 points for DeAndre Hunter. Uh, as well as twelve points off the bench for Sadiq Bay. So credit to the Hawks. You're going back to Atlanta. That's going to be a tough game for Boston because now you've got a lot of pressure. Again, the Hawks are the seventh seed. Nobody really picked them. Few, very few people picked them to win the series, and not many people picked them to win very many games. And so now you're you're down three games to two. You've won. You've stolen two games in the eyes of some people, but you've you've won those games. You've had great play. Um, the Celtics have, you know, kind of beat themselves in some ways, but they've also, you know, the Hawks have stepped up. And now you go home to Atlanta. You're gonna have a great home court there. As far as you know, those Atlanta fans, they do a great job, especially in the playoffs. And the Celtics have the pressure of man. If you're gonna be, you know, we we just saw the Bucs lose, so that's already over with. Now our sole attention as far as, you know, are you going to be the team, the next team you're going to lose this when you're a two seed and they're a seven seed, you know? So the Celtics have the pressure, you know, people are still, the expectation is Celtics win game six or game seven, if it gets to that and they move on, you know? So the Hawks have no pressure in this situation. Um, And that's going to be a great game six, super excited about that one. So that's, That's that one. That was the last game from Tuesday. And then going back to Wednesday, uh, the last game we need to talk about as far as the last few days of playoff action is the game that just barely wrapped up a few hours ago. Um, And that is game five Kings warriors. The warriors win on the road. And that was the big thing going into this playoff series is if the warriors are as bad on the road as they were in the regular season, The Kings should win this series regardless of how many games it takes. But now the Warriors took the fifth game of the series, their third game of the series in Sacramento. They won the game. And now the Kings are really on their heels. And of course I've mentioned, mentioned it prior. I'm in this series. My personal preference, I'm rooting for the Kings. I think a lot of people are, you know, as far as the underdog team, the story there, but also, the Warriors dynasty, you know, the fatigue that can come with that in the moment um, until you have a few years after it's passed to kind of look back and have that appreciative moment. Um, But they're the Warriors, you know, they're the defending champions. And we knew that you, you shouldn't discount them with a sixth seed, with a horrible road record in the, in the regular season with whatever it is, because this is a team. Well, at the end of the day, its core players have won multiple championships together. Um, it's a recently re- retooled roster that allowed them to win the championship last year, and still basically that same core with um, you know a small subtraction here, a nice little addition there. You know, six seed, first seed, ten seed that wins its play in games. This warrior squad. As it's constituted, is always going to be lethal, and Curry in particular has been red hot in the series. Win or lose, Clay Thompson's been locked in. Um, you know they had every ability to win. Um, and so credit to them. Again, for me, I'm sad to see the Kings lose this game. And going into into San Francisco, Golden State's home court. Trying to win a game, you know, an elimination game on the road in that that atmosphere with this Warriors team. um, I can't think of many things tougher for the Kings to try and do than that scenario. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. If they pull it off, that's going to be amazing. But it's going to be very tough. Um, you know, you look at the flow of this game. Kings got off to a better start. Warriors took the lead in the second quarter. Um and it was still close, but for the most part, the Warriors held that lead. They kept ahead of the Kings. Um, looking at the scores, Darren Fox, he played through that injury, kind of like you know we thought he might. 24 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds, 2 steals, a block. Everywhere, the percentages were a bit rough, but if you're a guy playing through injury, You know, you can, you can live with that. Even if you're not dealing with injury, you can deal with that as long as you've got good supporting play. And they did 21 points, 10 rebounds, four assists, three steals and a block for an Sabonis, 21 points off the bench for Malik Monk, um, 13 for Harrison Barnes, 10 for Keegan Murray, who was two for two from three, uh, 10 off the bench for Davion Mitchell. You know, I mean, these are the, this is plenty of offense for Sacramento to be able to win this game. Um, Generally speaking, you know, but again, the Warriors, they had four players with at least 20 points leading scorer being Stephen Curry, 31 points, eight assists. Um, And he was only two of 10 from three. He had an off night, you know, the one time that he was not great from three point range in a game. And it's the game that the Warriors went on the road 25 for Clay Thompson. He was five for 11 from three. Different story there than Curry in this game. 21 off the bench for Draymond Green. 20 point game from Draymond Green in the playoffs. He also had seven assists, four rebounds, four steals, and a block. And then 20 from Andrew Wiggins with two steals, two blocks, bringing his own defensive edge. You know, they're the defensive forwards, Green and Wiggins, and then the guards are the offense. and Looney's inside with 22 rebounds and seven assists. Um, his contribution to this warrior squad is so unique. It's so perfect for the way they play basketball, the way they've done it lately and the way that was able to win them a championship last year. And it's just, I, I don't know how you beat it really. Again, it's like that Suns situation. And if that's your conference finals, wow. You know, if that happens Suns versus, uh, warriors, that's going to be wild. Um, and again I feel like I'm saying that about a lot of playoff series and um you know but this this playoffs really has gotten off to a fantastic start as far as intrigue um you know teams playing well you know t- close games um we've had some series end uh four one but we're gonna have you know three series going into game six game seven in the first round we've got a lot of stuff going on in this playoff so far, and it's been really enjoyable to watch again, going into game six. I personally am rooting for the Kings either way. Tough matchup for the Kings to have going into sack into uh, San Francisco. Um, But that's going to be, you know, a great game six, but again, props to the Warriors. They take the lead. Now they have the, the position to try and close out that series. Um, But with that, that takes care of our game summaries from the last few days. Of NBA action. Let's real quick jump into our news. We have a variety of news items to cover with you. Firstly, um, our latest awards announcement. This was Tuesday, uh, Tuesday night during the the TNT broadcast Uh, from the Orlando Magic. Paolo Bancaro has been named 2023 NBA Rookie of the Year um, to what should be no one's surprise. Although I did see a friend mentioned I didn't see myself. He had mentioned that two of the uh, voting members voted for someone other than um, Bancaro, and I think they voted for Walker Kessler. And um, if those two guys are Utah-based writers, I apologize for their bias. I agree that Kessler had a great rookie season exceeded a lot of expectations, had a late rise, all that. But come on, as far as best rookie season, Walker Kessler, I'm sure would be one of the first to tell you, yeah, Ben Caro had a better season. I mean, Ben was, you know, a somewhat similar rebounder, um, had those defensive abilities, obviously not as great of a shot blocker as Walker Kessler, but the scoring, you know, Bancaro immediately showed why the Magic decided to go with him. Um, there was chatter about him or Jabari Smith Jr. as the first pick. And the Magic showed why it was a good choice to go with Bancaro, at least at this point. He's been a lot more electric, seems a little bit more NBA ready, and has some of those qualities you look for in a, a star for a for a team compared to Jabari Smith Jr. I'm not saying Jabari Smith Jr. is never going to get there. I'm just saying early returns, first season, Carroll looks a little bit more ready right now. So, you know, anyways, congratulations to him. Um, next item, a little update on that CBA. Um, that's just become a little bit more official. That was officially ratified by both the NBA and the Players Association. Um, so that's locked in. That new collective bargaining agreement is in place, and that will run through the 2030 season the 2029 to 2030 NBA season so the next um seven seasons or so through the end of the decade so we've got it we've got you know settlement there for a while so that's great to see um what isn't great to see we've got some unfortunate news out of the Minnesota Timberwolves Organization. This is following that Game Five loss that eliminated the Timberwolves. Uh, I'll just read this one a little more straight out, kind of give you the straight, uh, the straight news from uh, the NBA's site as they have it. Anthony Edwards cited for allegedly striking arena staff with a chair. Uh, the subheading there, according to the report received by Denver Police. Edwards was walking off the court when he swung the chair and injured the employees. And now we'll read a little bit more directly from the article. Uh, Minnesota Timberwolves star, Anthony Edwards was cited for third degree assault by Denver police following the team's season ending loss to the Nuggets after he allegedly swung a folding chair and struck two women who were working at the time at ball arena. Well later, according to the report received by Denver police, Edwards was walking off the court to the locker room when he swung the chair and injured the employees their injuries were not serious, Denver spokesman, a police spokesman, Jay uh, Casillas said. Um, And uh, it's just, you hate seeing this stuff, and it's unfortunate. And again, we should clarify firstly that this is, um, you know, a more report that's come out, and these are allegations that have been made. Um, there is a um, a court appearance scheduled for Anthony, uh, Anthony Edwards on June 9th. Um, so a little more than a month away. But if this is fully true, it's just, you know, it's heartbreaking for all parties. Um, for those people that were, you know, the victims of, uh, of an assault like this, uh, you know, Devastating news, you know, we should all have their uh, best interests with us. Again, even if it says, you know, not not major injuries, um, that's still wild to have, you know, if again, if this is 100% true, to have a player swing a chair at you. Obviously, he's frustrated with his, you know, his team's outcome maybe with his performance, you know, number of factors, but um, it's just, it's just, it's just too bad. And really for Anthony Edwards, I feel bad for him too. a young guy who, um, especially in this playoffs, this regular season, the last couple of seasons he's shown that generational, you know, it's a strong word, but really incredible talent. You know, he's a guy that, has the tools and has shown plenty to one day become one of the top five players in the NBA. You know, he really has shown that ability and that potential and to put that at risk with something like this, letting your emotions dictate and, you know, letting that get the better of you. um, You know, it's just, it's just rough you know and i i hate seeing this type of news again for everyone involved to what degree to what truth you know what exactly happened where you know here you know here's the exact truth it wasn't a it wasn't two people it was one people or or whatever that is whether this comes out to be you know there's some details missing or this was the clear picture and it just needed to be confirmed Whatever it is. I hate seeing this stuff. For everyone involved. Um, well, That's my little rant on that, if you will. But uh, I'll leave it with, <clears throat> I hope for all parties, this can get resolved positively. You know, whatever that entails as far as, you know, confirmed details at that time. So. We'll leave that. Let's get you to some injury updates. Again, we talked about Randall and Fox. Those were some things from today. One more for the Clippers. Again, they were eliminated Tuesday night. Um, Kawhi Leonard's in the injury. That's been confirmed to be a torn right meniscus. And um, that's another rough thing. I mean, of course, missing a bunch of time with the ACL injury, the injuries he's had in the past. Um, There's no timetable yet for this one um torn meniscus sounds fairly you know substantial i would think not quite on the level of an acl and mcl but probably still substantial i'm guessing there's a good probability this eats into the beginning of next season now again big clarification i am not a medical expert and i have no first-hand insight on this that's just my speculation. Confirmed at this time, no timetable yet. Um, but he does have a ret- torn right men torn right meniscus, so that's something to keep uh keep updated on. Uh, a few more items, uh, a little more, you know, teams that have been eliminated or off season specific things. Firstly, the Portland Trailblazers, they are going to be debuting a new G League team. They will have their own g-league affiliate team next season uh, and that will up the number of teams in the g-league to 31 total um so that'll be interesting to see uh, the identity of that team as far as uh, branding things of that nature that has not been announced yet but that will be announced at a later date um we do know they'll be playing their games at uh, the university of portland's arena so there's that Uh, For the New Orleans Pelicans, C.J. McCollum uh, recently had surgery on uh, a right thumb that was uh, injured, and he will, during this offseason, reportedly focus on rehabbing uh, a different injury, a right shoulder injury. So McCollum focused on getting getting right, getting healthy for the next season. Um, And then finally, some NBA news, a little bit related to the Jazz, the 2023 Salt Lake City Summer League. Um, has officially set its dates for July 3rd, 5th, and 6th. Um, The teams involved, I can let me see if I can pull that up for you real quick. Um, Scroll down a little bit more to where that was, and then in the process, end up passing it. There it is. Uh, So the Jazz, of course, uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Memphis Grizzlies, and the Philadelphia 76ers. Those will be your four teams, summer league squads that will be participating in the salt lake city summer league one other thing to note this will be the first event happening at the uh newly to be renamed delta center if you recall i did mention it very briefly in a podcast a while ago it came out during the regular season that the jazz were going to uh they had a new naming right sponsor for the arena they were going to rename Viven Arena to Delta Center, which, of course, was the original name of the arena when it was first um, built in the 80s, early 90s. Um, Let me see if I can double check that. As a jazz fan, I feel like I should really know the exact 91. So as a ballpark opened in 91, it was opened as Delta Center. It's had a number of names since then, and now it's going to be going back to that name. Um, and that will be the first event for that. So that's that's a cool note to see. Um, but otherwise, that takes care of our key news for the last few days. Um, let's go ahead and dive into uh, the game previews we have for you for the next couple of days. There's not a ton because, again, we now have five playoff series that have fully wrapped up. We only have three first round series that are, you know, in the final games, final stages. And we'll see Game 6 of the Boston-Atlanta series on tomorrow's slate. And that'll be the only game tomorrow. Tomorrow, TNT, 8.30 Eastern Standard Time. Um, The Hawks hosting the Celtics, Boston leading three games to two. That's your first game. Then on Friday, we have a couple games. And those are Game 6s in the other series. Friday, 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on ESPN the Warriors will be hosting the Sacramento Kings. And then uh, at 1030, Eastern standard time, the Los Angeles Lakers will be hosting the Memphis Grizzlies. Both home teams are up three games to two, both games in California, both games later in the day. So that will be interesting to watch for, to see if either of those series, um, neither series, both series, whatever it is, come to a close what happens with both te- you know, all four of those teams that'll be very interesting then on Friday's show we'll go ahead and give you along with our playoff previews we're going to start getting into some playoff dates for some second round matchups so that's going to be great to uh to dive into at that point but otherwise that really takes care of the bulk of the show again um this ended up being kind of similar length to what we've done in the past but um or in recent weeks rather but Um, that's where we're at, you know, again, filming this a little bit later in the night. So I will go ahead and not waste any more time and I'll get things wrapped up here. Let's first do our, this day in history fact for you. Um, and we're going back to 2012 for this fact, April 27th of 2012, uh, on that day with a 104 to 84 loss to the New York Knicks in the final game of the 2011 through 2012 NBA season, the Charlotte Bobcats, of course, now the Hornets, Charlotte Bobcats set a new record for the lowest winning percentage in NBA history at 0.110. Their record on that year being seven wins, 59 losses. Um, And a lot of people consider that worst team in NBA history. Certainly a great candidate, worst winning percentage. Um, Fewest total wins, but of course, that should be factored in with it was a uh, a lockout shortened season, Um, so they only played 66 games, 66 games instead of 82 Um, teams like the 73 76ers won nine games and had 73 losses, but they had to just barely a little bit better winning percentage. Um, There's teams like the 90s mavericks and nuggets that are also in that mix um but that's a you know if you're gonna make a pick for worst team that's a that's an interesting pick and again i'll take this opportunity to plug um on youtube i have no you know ties to this i just like to plug it because it's a great um great video on youtube secret base they do all sorts of sports stuff and it's um their dorktown series they have a video on the 2012 charlotte bobcats that's phenomenal it's got you know john boyce who does the dorktown stuff usually uh um not seth rosenthal the other one um anyways um I apologize, not remembering his name. Uh, Seth Rosenthal, who does his own series usually, but hopped on with John Boyce and a couple other guys to do this one. Um, Great one. Definitely recommend checking it out. If I remember correctly, it's called The People You're Paying to Be in Shorts. Um, It's an interesting one. Uh, Anyways, again, kind of on a tangent. I'll wrap things up there. If you want to check out our Instagram page, that's crossover across time on Instagram, all one word, no capital letters. We share content from the show. We also do our best to share content from across the NBA. So that along with the podcast itself is a great way to stay up to date on the NBA as a whole, along with that historic touch that we hope to give you um, on the podcast here. But um, with that, thank you all for listening again. prior listeners return listeners and new listeners alike we really appreciate the support we'll be back on friday with more game summaries first round or excuse me second round series previews um, weekend game previews all that kind of stuff Um, so we really appreciate the support once again and we will be back with you on friday